Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Real Leaders. I'm your host, Jamie Centeno, and I'm here with Banning Leapshear. Just to let you know a little bit about him, if you don't know about him, uh, Jesus Culture, something that you might have heard of. Uh, they have a podcast, there's music, and there's also his church in Sacramento where he pastors. He has a book out uh, called Rooted that's come out a while ago, and then there's a recent one that will be premiering sometime here in the future, and it's called The Three Mile Walk. He's an author, pastor, and speaker, and we're so glad to have him with us today. Great to be with you today, seriously. Uh, uh, and I, I love this. This is my new favorite thing that we can actually do this type of stuff over Zoom and online. But man, it's an honor to be with you. Well, man, it's, I don't know if you're, you're probably in the other seat often, but I know you're usually in the interviewer chair and you're chatting it up on your podcast. Um, but let's just start it off real easy because I think that's what you guys do. You keep it real easy and light, and then you get into the serious stuff. Um, but I want to ask you this question. Well, first, let me just premise it by this. This week, uh, it was, I think it was actually this Tuesday, a horrible thing happened. There was a car crash that happened right in front of us. Uh, and with this car crash, you know, the, the person and the people, they were all safe. There was some damage to the car. The one car flipped over. Since it was right in front of us, I get out the car. I go over there. My wife and kids are in the car and people start going to the crash scene to see if this guy's okay. Anyway, it, you know, he's in there, he, he's okay, uh, but there's, they we're looking how to get him out because he's on the one side, on the passenger side is where he's at and he can't open that up, that's on the ground. And so I'm thinking I'm gonna be a superhero and I'm looking around at these guys and I'm saying, who's gonna, you know, help him get out of the car? Uh, can we open his passenger side door? And they just look at me like, yeah, you can do it. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't hesitate. I got up there with all these young guys looking at me and I, and I had Crocs on and I got up there and I tried to open the door. That wasn't successful. And, you know, after all said and done, the paramedic, the people get there, the guy's okay. He gets out the back, but I'm thinking to myself, as I'm climbing on that door and trying these superhero feats, I'm getting too old for this. There's like, there's too many young guys, there's young guys, there's people around that should be doing this. I'm getting too old. So I say all that because that's one of the things I felt like I was getting too old for doing these heroic feats for a car crash. Uh, but you find yourself in any situation in ministry and life where you're almost saying the same thing, like I'm getting too old for this, or am I still really doing this? Is that something that you uh, can bear witness to? Yeah. Every time I go to CrossFit, dear Lord, <laughs> I go to CrossFit and I'm thinking like, how, you know, and there's all these guys in their twenties and, and, and I, I, the problem for me is I'm competitive. So that I'm too old for this thing is a hard statement to make because, you know, oh, yeah. my top, my top strength is competitive, but I've just had to like completely turn off the competitive side of things. Cause I, this is not an exaggeration. There are women in their thirties that are not just blowing by me in reps but in weight. So they have more weight, they're doing more skills, and they're doing more of it. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, geez. So yes, I probably never feel as old as I am until I walk into the CrossFit gym 
and uh, ha hang out with uh, people that are just this not not even anywhere near the same category. So yes, yeah. your, me your mental space has to be like I'm just here to make sure my heart keeps beating and it's just yes. flowing and there's a good blood flow. Do you know what I do? You know what I do for my competitive side. I'll go in and I'm just they're better than me. They're always but but I'm just like. I'm good at other things in life. I'm good at other things. I'm successful in life. Have any of you in here written books? Oh, you haven't? Because I have. You know, so I try to I try to compete with them in areas that I'm better. That's my that that's all internal. It's all an internal world. Right, right, right. It's not like that inside out that, that cartoon Pixar. You got yes. the little the little emotional thing talking to them and telling yeah. them off. Well, anyway, yeah. let's get into more serious stuff. Um, you know, we're we're in this uh, culture, right? We're, we're in culture and it's so easy to be in trend with the culture and how they're responding. And, you know, I think about when you released your book, Rooted, to me, it was kind of countercultural because you're, you're speaking to people. And for the most part, we were finding a generation and a people, I know it's not, you know, it's hard to make that blanket statement, but for the most part, it seemed like people were pretty flighty. They were going from thing to thing and you're saying like no get rooted and understand what community means and it does for your spiritual growth where people would think well if i go here i'm following god and it's and it's all those things so i thought it was not that god doesn't call us to places but you're you were really doing something that was against you know against the, the current so how have you been leading in a counter to the cultural way these days well, I think if you, I think if you commit to being a kingdom person, you're going to naturally be countercultural. So I think that, um, I, in fact, on Sunday we pre-record our services, so I just got done preaching this. But Jesus, we have to understand we're kingdom people. That's who we are. So the kingdom of the world is not how we think. It's not how we operate. It's not how we act. We're kingdom people. We think. We operate. We act from a kingdom perspective. And so anytime you are going to be a kingdom individual and you decide to live from a kingdom perspective, you, you have your mind renewed, then, then it's going to be opposite. In fact, this is why the kingdom is just opposite. The kingdom is, is if, if you want to be, you know, if you want to save your life, lose it. Mm -hmm. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to be the greatest, be the servant. If you want to bear fruit, you've got to be a seed that falls to the ground and dies. It, it, you know, if you want to inherit the kingdom, you've got to be like a child. Uh, you're supposed to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. These are, these are opposite concepts from the world. So if I'm going to be a kingdom person, then I'm naturally countercultural. It just, it's natural because light is, is different than darkness. But one of the things that we're teaching our people right now, especially with all the stuff that's going on with the unrest and, and the protests and, and, and talking through the issues of injustice and righteousness and what do we do and how's what the church and race that that there are different mindsets so the bible says that the kingdom is like leaven and that the kingdom is within you so you got when you got saved colossians says you were transferred into the kingdom you were taken from the kingdom of darkness put in the kingdom of the sun of light and then the bible says in luke that the kingdom's within you but but Jesus warns us of two other leavens, the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. So there's a religious Pharisees, a religious mindset, and there's a political mindset. 
the kingdom is counter to both of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, so when we talk about living countercultural, it'd be the same thing with my book rooted, like be independent, be a self-made person. These are like, don't let anybody speak into your life. These are worldly concepts. And the kingdom comes and says, no, be submitted to one another, be submitted to elders you know, be, be quick to listen and slow to speak that right now we live, you want to be countercultural, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm. Just that principle alone is so countercultural right now. The culture around us is not slow to speak and quick to listen. And, and, and they're not humble and they're not all this type of stuff. So, so, you know, we're unpacking that. What, what, you know, when Jesus says, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees, that word beware actually means to see it's it's both to see physically but it's also both to see to perceive with your mind he's saying i need you not to be blind to these ways of thinking the religious spirit and the political spirit don't be don't be blind to these things be and so when i'm a kingdom person that's not blind to these things then i'm naturally countercultural i just naturally am going against the the grain of what everything is happening yeah that's good so let's let's pull that out a little bit because on sundays we have them for this time typically in churches you know it's it's, it's sundays for a few hours uh might be a midweek thing here or there here are the political and the religious on this side, and they have them for the rest of the week. What do we do besides what, what we do on Sunday to really develop kingdom people so that they are not left to the majority of the time? Not that we can't you know, control every hour of their day and anything like that, but is there anything else that you do or see that's being done that helps people to be effective and equipped to be a kingdom person outside what we tip the times we typically have them. Yeah, it's a, uh, well, I'll give you a philosophical answer rather than a practical answer, because I think the practical works out when we understand this, my job as a pastor is to help equip edify so that you'll become mature. So much of the church, I hate blanket statements. Much of the church is, is built to, to, um, uh, to kind of keep immature believers. But, but Ephesians 4 says that my job is to equip people for the work of the ministry, to edify, encourage them so that they'll become mature, so that they'll look like Christ, so that they'll no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Doctrine is just a set of beliefs. So the problem is, is if we don't try, if we don't require from people or if our goal as believers isn't to, uh, our goal as pastors isn't to mature people, what happens is, is they get into the world and they're not mature in their beliefs. They're not mature in their beliefs, so they just get tossed everywhere. They're not leaven, leavening the lump of society. They're just getting tossed to and fro, and it's an immaturity issue. So much of the people right now that are you know are getting tossed all around or are you know are, are thinking more like the world than the kingdom it's simply they're immature they're immature so they just get caught up in worldly thinking because they're not mature in kingdom thinking so so practically speaking if i can just understand my goal is to help you mature 
And my goal is to set you on a journey of maturity where you're actually embracing that, where you're actually going down the road of, I want to be mature. And so I think we have to shift that. I, I have a, I could talk for a while about how churches are set up at some level to keep people immature. Mm. Um, uh, and maybe you want to talk about that. We can, if you want, but it's that type of thing where I just am, um, we've got, and I think a lot of this COVID thing right now is allowing the church to really understand where the maturity level of our people are. Wow. I agree. Well, let's see if this helps with that a little bit, this question. Um, you know, we talked about leaven a little bit. Uh, an ingredient that really gets me is sugar. So I got a sweet tooth. Uh, and if you take me to a bakery, it's going to reveal that real quick. <laughs> you take, you know, I'm just going to be yeah. eating that stuff and I want this. Yeah. That. So I'm going to be, you're going to exploit me if you take me to, uh, or I'm going to be revealed if you take me to a bakery. Now, if Christians are weak in a particular area, or maybe the word is immature, how is the enemy exploiting that weakness or in this immaturity in this hour? I think he's lying to them. I, I think what the enemy does is lie to us. Uh, it's his lies. The Bible says that he's the father of lies. The Bible says that his native language is lying. It's literally what a translation says. Your native tongue is lying. And so, so his, his, his weapon of choice is he's trying to lie to us. Hmm. So, so any area, uh, you know, so when we're immature, it's that we're just not connected to truth. Hmm. We lies are able to find a way in lies are able to take root in our life. And so, so maturity really begins to ground us in truth. Where, so, so how does the enemy take advantage of us? He's trying to lie to you. Everybody watching this right now, let me just say this. And, and, and when Paul says, hey, we weren't like, we are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy. We weren't taken advantage of. We weren't outwitted. We weren't outsmarted because we know how he works. Can I tell everybody watching this right now how he works? He's trying to lie to you. So, so any area of discouragement, any area where you feel hopeless, any area where you feel powerless, all, they're all connected to a lie somehow. Somewhere there's a lie you're believing. And most of the time when I feel discouraged or when I feel hopeless uh, um, or, 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 or I'm allowing fear to motivate me, but um, but like it might be, if I'm discouraged, I'm usually believing the lie that either one, God is not with me, or two, he's not for me. So almost every area that, I mean, maybe every area that I feel hopeless or discouraged in, it's connected somewhere to a lie I'm believing that God is not with me or God is not for me. Yeah. And so when I begin to understand the truth of God as a father, when I begin to understand what the word of God says about God's character and nature and that he's a father and that he's a father who is for me, he's a father that loves me and he's a father that will never leave me nor forsake me. Well, then all of a sudden, if I'm discouraged in a situation, it's because I'm approaching it without God, mm. just flat out. 
If I'm looking at my marriage and I feel hopeless, it's because I'm looking at my marriage apart from God with me. If I'm looking at my finances and I'm discouraged, it's because I'm looking at my finances apart from God with me. And my, if I'm looking at, you know, just go down the list. Um, and so I think that how does the enemy come? We are immature in that we don't know truth. We don't know truth. And we've got to root ourselves in scripture. We've got to get firmly grounded in truth. And, um, and, then, and then from there, that's what I'm saying. It says they get tossed around. Literally, they're describing children as immature. So children are tossed to and fro in the, so in the storms of the world, we get tossed everywhere by every doctrine of belief, by every doctrine. And so the, the point is this, is, is that maturity looks like I know what I believe. It's truth. Hmm. And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I've, I'm firmly planted in it. So I don't get tossed all around. I don't get, because I'm firmly planted in truth. I love how you say that because, you know, even in what you're saying, there is this simple truth that is stronger than the most complicated lie. Yes. And, and we, the lies that he tells us and the deception we believe is sometimes so complicated and nuanced, but you can, like, he's your father. He's good. He's never going to yeah. leave you. For, that is such a simple, basic part of what we learn upon the inception of our Christianity. And now yes. it's just putting our hands around that, putting our heart around that, letting that seep into all that we are and interacting and experiencing that, that debunks all the complicated lies that the enemy will throw at us. So that was excellent. Yeah, and, and almost every lie you're gonna encounter is, is, is countered by the truth of God as a father. Mm -hmm. This was one of the main revelations that Jesus brought us was that God's a father. So Israel knew him as creator, judge, you know, all powerful, all knowing, but they didn't know him as father. So Jesus shows up and reveals the heart of the father. He tells them you can interact with him as a father. Here's his nature, his character as a father. And so the journey I'd encourage people to go on is get to know God as a father. You've got to get to know God as a father. He's unlike any father you've ever had, whether you had a great father, whether you had a horrible father, whether you had a present father, or an absent father, knowing God as a father is really key to understanding truth in so many areas. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the time where Jesus is asking his disciples, who am I and all that stuff. And, Peter, you know, chimes in and tells him, you know, you are the Christ, you're the son of God. And he says, yes, now that you got my identity right, I'm going to show you your identity. Yes, that's when he gets yes. to speak into his identity. A lot of us, I think, sometimes try to put our identity before we identify properly with him. To identify yes. with him gives us the identity we need to be able to live successfully. Yes, uh, love it. Kingdom, kingdom citizens. So, so uh, let's let's switch it a little bit to just you know um, leaders. You know, leaders are out there, and I don't know if it's been the case for you. Maybe it's sweet for you right now, but um, I just get this sense for leaders. We're we're pretty overwhelmed, um, helping a lot of people. Uh, not knowing if we're saying, acting, and doing the right thing. So there's a lot of areas of pressure. Um, and, and maybe I'm talking from just my limited knowledge of leaders that I know. And I feel like I know a lot of different people. But you could just see that there's lots of areas of pressure that they're navigating through. Um, but for those areas of pressure that you know people who are in that first hand, 
um, what, who, how are you trying to help them or how would you encourage them to lead courageously um, even in the moments that we're in right now? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I, I, I think that most leaders are probably overwhelmed right now. Everybody I'm talking to, it's all just such new territory. I was telling somebody when, the, when COVID hit, when the quarantine hit, is the first time in 25 years of ministry for me that I wasn't able to get on the phone with somebody who had experienced what I was going through and ask them some wit for wisdom because nobody had experienced this. So I'm on the phone, people are like, what are you doing? They're like, I don't know, what are you doing? Right. So th there's, a ton, there's a ton of pressure. There's a ton of pressure in church going online, not being able to see people, how are we doing that? Then with all of the issues of race coming up and, and how the nation's handling that, what do we do with that? Not saying anything wrong or right or trying to process it all. Uh, you know, I, I would probably, my advice to leaders is, is one, make sure you're taking care of yourself in this time. You've got to unplug from social media and the news. You just have to unplug. You've got to just, I, I just was off for a few days. I didn't check social media. And um, so you just got to follow the, the, the rhythm of Jesus, which was he withdrew consistently away from the crowds. There's so many voices coming at you right now that if you're not intentional about withdrawing and making sure that his voice is the loudest voice in your life, that you're more connected to God's voice than anybody else's voice, um, you've got to just pay attention to yourself. Um, you've got to pay attention to kind of um, how you handle pressure. Make sure I'm going to bed earlier right now, in all honesty. I, I'm making sure that I'm going to bed, that, that I'm getting good night's sleep. I'm making sure that Guys, I'm going to – listen, everybody who's watching right now, this is quarantine life. I, I have an office right outside, and my dog just sits out here and barks until I let him in. Uh, but um, And now he wants to come in and hang out with us. So, um, But you just have to pay attention to that. You've got to stay – I have another dog that wants in. We have multiple dogs, so let's have that conversation real quick. What do you want? I'll just leave it open. What are the names? The, uh, Harley and Sunny. Nice. Classic. My wife and my family are like massive dog people. I didn't really grow up like that, but now I kind of am a little bit. So they just, they sit at my door. Anytime I'm in here on a Zoom call, they want to get in from the outside. And they probably like I, love you the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because I'm home all day. But I think it's just a matter of, you just got to take care of yourself. You've got to physically take care of yourself. You've got to emotionally take care of yourself. You've got to, uh, everything's going to be fine. Your church, you're not going to lose your church, you know. Um, got, you know, this is a great opportunity to walk out what you believe, which is Jesus is building his church, not you anyways. It's not your effort. It's not your strength. It's not your amazing ideas. It's not your incredible preaching that's building the church. Jesus is building the church. So in times like this, and then I think when it comes to, I have a ton of opinions on social media and, um, the current issues that we're facing, but but I think it's just a time to listen well. It's a time to humble ourselves. You, you have to, there's, there's not going to be one mistake that takes you out. Like you got to take some pressure off if you don't, you know, there's just a pressure that you've just got to just give to the Lord and, and know that he works through imperfect people. He covers mistakes. Um, uh, he, you know, the Lord, I had a prophetic word early on, right when I started ministry, the Lord would cover mistakes and he has, you know, I don't do everything right. And I've told our church, if you expect me to do everything right, I then you know, you're going to be disappointed. So let's just get that out of the way. So, yeah, but take care of yourself. Here's a big problem. You know what the big problem is, leaders? They don't stop long enough 
to actually pay attention to what's going on inside of them. Uh, this is the big problem is, is that they don't actually know what's going on inside of them. So they don't know what's happening. They don't know if they're sad. They don't know if they're mad. They don't know if they're overwhelmed. They don't know if they're glad. They don't know if they're hurt. They don't know. They don't know if they feel powerless. They don't know like they don't, because they just like, you don't stop long enough to go, what's actually going on inside of me. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm scared that if I do a misstep, I'm going to lose a bunch of people. I'm scared of what, like, and so I think if you could stop long enough just to go, what is going on inside of me? I'm, I, I'm believing some lies and I'm wore out. Okay, well, let's get some truth in there and then let's make sure you get refreshed. And I don't know what that is for you, but let's make sure you get that. So, you know, I, I was, God kind of showed me that as well. He showed me how whatever we leave nameless, then we become powerless to mm. affect. And so, like you said, those things that are inside of us that we're not naming or bringing to the light are the things that are overpowering us. Yeah. Uh, but the power is in naming it so that now we've identified it, brought it to the light, and now God can minister to it or we can get a handle on it. So that's really good stuff. I, You know, you're talking about just withdrawing. That's such good counsel that almost feels, you know, guilty for people to think about when you're always feeling like you need to be present in times of crisis. You don't want to make it feel like you're not there, but you know, here we are. And if we do look at Jesus, he chooses not to be on boats that sometimes he knows it's about to go into a storm, but he wasn't yeah. present in that moment because he withdrew and yeah. you know, he was going to catch up to them, but he withdrew. And you know, it, it might be because people don't have those naturally rhythms in their life. And now that, we especially need it. We don't know how to do it because we didn't yeah. see the benefit of it when we were not in as intense times as we are now. So yeah. I think that's that's spectacular just to think about. I mean, that happened to me the beginning of my week. My wife just said, you know what? You deserve a day off. I was like, I'm not even used to using that language. I deserve anything. Um, and she just said, just relax and sit and get your white legs out in the sun and get yes, them some sun. And, and I was like, you know, I, I was able to do that. And it really helped me with this week. So yeah, withdrawing. Now, I, a little bit more to that. I mean, so the leaders are tired there. It's almost the, the picture of Moses trying to keep his hands in the air while Josh was fighting in the valley. And so we got a lot of leaders that probably have tired arms as they're leading. Um, and you already spoke into this, but is there anything else that you would encourage those who are encouraging others, some caring words for those who are caretaking others or minister to those for a moment who are ministering to others? What, what would you have to say to them as we close? Well, I don't know if this directly addresses it, but you've got you've to empower. I'm hoping that you're not leading by yourself. And there's a principle in scripture where there's a weight that leaders carry. And if you're, and until you become a leader, you don't even fully understand that weight. So Moses is carrying that weight and Jethro, his father-in-law comes to him and says, Hey, let's set up a structure. So many of us know how to set up structures. Many of us know how to split people up and get things. 
but but there was another level that God was wanting to take him to, which was when he came and said, pick 70, and I'm going to put the spirit that's on you on them, and they're going to carry the burden with you. So I'm hoping that that you haven't just organized people, but that there are actually people who are carrying the burden with you, that you're not leading on your own. So this is the picture of Moses and Aaron and her. It's that, no, you're not, you're, it's, it's not just that you've organized people to do tasks. It's not that you just organized people to oversee things, which is what the Jethro model was. It's that the burden that you're carrying, others are carrying with you. So right now, I don't feel like I'm carrying this thing on my own at all. And so, so, so I know that people are carrying this with me. And, um, and you may say, well, I don't have that. Well, what a great moment. <laughs> what a great moment to go, wow, I don't have that. What do I got to do to go get that? And, um, and, and maybe that's a longer picture. But, but my point is, is that we have to look around and say, have I just built a structure? Or have I allowed God to take what's on my life and let others carry it with me? Because I'm not meant just to carry it on my own. I'm not meant to carry, I'm not meant just to carry the burden of how, what do I say to the church and where do I go and what do we do and how do we do this? And is it going to work financially? And is the whole thing going to implode? Like that's not meant just to be on me. One, I need to learn how to cast my cares before the Lord. And then I need to carry it with people. And then here's something practical that I try to do. Actually on my iPad, I would, I have a list. If you look at, um, on one of my notes programs, there would be something, there's a list here that I, that, that, that I write down everything that's weighing on me, everything I'm worried about, mm -hmm. everything I'm uncertain about, everything that's causing me anxiety. But at the top of the list, I title it things God has already taken care of. And that came from, I had a guy one time move from, one of our staff members moved from England with this entire family years ago, 15 years ago or something. And, um, and I, when we were moving here to Sacramento, I said, hey, give me some advice on moving your family. He said, I wish I wouldn't have worried about things that God had already taken care of. So he said, I was worried about housing. But then when we got over here, housing God had already been working and setting things up and the perfect housing popped up. And he goes, I wish I wouldn't have worried about things that God has already taken care of. Mm -hmm. So not only do I try to, not only do we try to lead with other people who are carrying the burden, but, but when it says cast your cares upon him, that, that, that I take his burden on and give him my burden, that one of the ways I do this is I just sit down, I write it all out. I'll get, sometimes if I'm up in the middle of the night, I can't sleep, I just go down, I'll just write out what are all the things that are weighing on me? What are all the things that I'm worried about? What are all the things that I'm anxious about? What are all the things that I don't know what it's gonna look like? And then, I, and then I title that list, things God has already taken care of. And I just recognize. And if there's lies that are believing, then I just say, okay, God, what's the truth connected to that? And the other things, I just say, God, I believe that you're already at work doing something about that. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but I think you're already doing something and you've got it taken care of. I love it.
I love it. I'm encouraged. I'm sure people who are listening are encouraged. You know, I've been, these days, me and my wife are talking a bunch, like everybody who finds themselves in a situation with their spouse. But um, we're just talking and she shared, she said, you know, we need an Elijah to say that we need a prophetic word for this next season. Or no, what she said was, we need a prophetic word for this next season. And to that, I said, you know, I don't think we need an Elijah as much as we need an Elisha. We need somebody who can be a burden carrier in this yeah. prophetic season we're in. I yes. think a lot of, and I think that's for a lot of people. They don't need a prophetic word. God has already spoken some things. They just need those who can come alongside them to bear the burden of what God has asked them to accomplish. So I love it. Uh, Banning, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. We can probably keep going with this because there's other questions it's going to let into. But I think it really suffices what you said. And people are going to be encouraged and challenged. Thank you for making it simple yet profound. Appreciate you, man. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Always good to sit down, Jamie, and have a conversation with you. I love what you're doing just to encourage, equip, and come alongside people. Thank you.